What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Puck Pod. My name is Daniel Fritz. Joining me, as always, are my good friends, Nick Mussarino and Alex Loudon. What's up, guys? How are we feeling? Good, 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 man. Good. Another another week. I'll tell you what, Fritzy. I, I don't know about you. I'm going to brag a little bit about the weather down here in South Florida. 70 and sunny. It's been phenomenal. Absolutely loving it down here. And hockey's back, man. So that's always that's always the best part of the year. Hey, you can't brag too much. Today was like 65 and sunny. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Denver weather, Denver weather is really inconsistent, but it goes Wasn't week there like by week. like a blizzard like last week or something? Yeah, man. And yep. next week, too. <laughs> but today I was out in a short sleeve shirt. Felt great. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's exciting times. The NHL is back. We're about a week in. Some of the teams have, you know, four or five games so far. But because of COVID, a handful of teams only have a couple. Like we were just talking about off air. The two Florida teams only have two games so far, and the next couple of weeks are looking kind of dicey with um, teams like Dallas and Carolina getting the COVID and getting it spread around, and now Washington as well. But um, nevertheless, it's exciting. I've been up watching as many games as I can, betting on as many games as I can, losing a lot of money as much as I can. Have you gotten into the gambling at all, Moose? No, no. I told you I'm going to try to stay away from it as long as I can. Actually, that's a lie. I had a free <laughs> play on my bookie. Uh, I threw that on Vancouver to win tonight, so we'll see. Uh, one funny tidbit about the the Washington thing is the people who got it were Ovechkin, Orlov, Kuznetsov, Samsonov. <laughs> so, uh, twenty bucks to whoever can guess what country those people came. From. <laughs> it's like it's like the old Russian Five documentary from the Detroit Red Wings. They're bringing it back. <laughs> All right, in well, my head, I just have Ovi like crossing sauces at the buffet line, just giving oh everybody God. the COVID. Yeah, there was that story about him at the, um, in the food line before games, getting a bowl of pasta and then putting red sauce and Alfredo sauce in it. But it's like, if it's some, you know, first-round pick from this season, some young kid coming up, you're going to yell at him for it, but it's the greatest goal scorer of all time. So, like, yeah, maybe that's the secret. Maybe more guys to start doing that. Hope I hope not for, for humanity's sake. Anyways. So we're about a weekend and uh, I thought it was fitting that we can do some like way too early predictions off of only a few games. And um, we did this last year and I looked back at the end of the season to see how badly we did and we were pretty far off. But I think that at least from my picks, I think that I'm a little more confident than I was last time. So uh, we each brought a, a few of them. They're not really team specific by nature. They can be or they can be player specific or whatever. But basically, these are just things that we thought could happen this season to whoever across the league. So, um, who wants to go first? I can go first. All right, Alex, give me your first. Chicago is going to finish in last place. <laughs> Absolutely in last place. Uh, they've won zero games right now. They have the worst goal differential right now. They played the Panthers and didn't do anything. Like. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> That's a bad sign. They, they got a lot of things going against them, and nothing seems to be going good. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've, you know, I've long had this thought that the Blackhawks are going downhill fast, and they needed to shed as many players as they can. And uh, they kind of accidentally did that this season. They lost Kirby Doc and Jonathan Taves to injury, so they got rid of players to save cap room. But now they're just a horrible team. And it's, it's fun to watch because I'll bet the over for them every single game because I'll score a bunch and give up a bunch. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I love telling Chicago fans that they're going to be dead last this year. And then watch. They're going to get first-round pick, pick up somebody like Kane again, and then accidentally have another dynasty. 
Well, here's the thing, and, and I'm not trying to outwardly disagree with you guys. I do think that the Jonathan Taze and Kirby Doc injuries play a huge part in why they look the way they do right now. Um, but I don't think that – look, this is going to be a rebuild, and nobody's going to deny that. But I don't think that this is going to be a complete and utter teardown 10-year type of deal that kind of the Ottawa's have been in. Mm-hmm. I really think that this team – uh, with the, the core that they have. Look, Patty Kane's 32. He does not look like he's 32 years old. Um, Dominic Kubalik, I just got to watch these guys play two times, so it's why I'm a little bit more familiar with them. That Kubalik kid is something special, dude. It's yeah, he's got a great special. shot. He's one of the yeah. young, uh, like, underappreciated um, snipers, you know, kind of a sharpshooter in the league. I, he's really fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, go ahead. In today's game, an 18-year-old can come in and actually change the trajectory of your organization. I just don't think that it's insane to think that this team in three to four years, when they're out of those Duncan Keith, that Patrick Kane, and that Jonathan Taze contracts, I think they could surprise a lot of people. The point I'm getting at is I don't think it's going to be 10 years. Fair enough. The issue for me is goaltending with them. And it's not like it's not like they have one guy and they have some other scrub, you know, like in most seasons you have to have two good goalies to be successful, right? You know, many teams have showed in the past, the lightning, the Bruins, yada, yada, yada. But they don't have really any NHL caliber goalies, if we're being honest. You know, if Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban were on any other organization, they wouldn't be playing. They wouldn't be starting. They may be playing some backup position roles. But the fact that they're touting out those two guys and they're even trying a third unknown guy, Kevin Lankinen, that I saw in the Panthers game last night. But they really have nobody uh, back there to stop the puck. And added on to it, they're one of the worst defensive teams last year, and they carried it over to this season as letting in an obscene amount of high danger chances against with nobody really good in net to stop it. So, I don't. I mean, there's going to be a lot of 5-4-6-5 games. And, you know, I, I love that top line with Dylan Strom, Alex Dabrinkit, and Patrick Kane. And they mix it up every now and then with that, that kid uh, shooter too. But I don't see them scoring enough goals to make up for how many they're going to give up this season. I would absolutely agree with you, uh, especially the goaltending situation is something that they're going to have to iron out unless Malcolm Subban ends up playing like the first-round draft pick that he was. Yeah, good luck with that. Moose, what do you got? Oh, man, I don't want to bring the mood down, but I have a little bit of a surprising take, and maybe it's because my team – that I pay attention to has fallen victim to it. I don't think we're going to finish this year. Oh, wow. And I'll, I'll tell wow. you why. I'll tell you why. Is I just don't think that it's realistic for a 56-game season to conclude without extending the games. If you look at the Panther schedule right now, they have to play 54 games within 103 days. That's not going to happen. It's not going to be the norm for teams. You're starting to see now three teams that have been affected by COVID kind of like that snaps real quick. My thing is, and my thinking is, is there's no way that the players are going to be willing to give up their summer. Once again, I don't know how you get out of this and I'm not sure the NHL is going to be able to finish this year. Well, something similar to that. I was asking the other day, what are they going to do if there's teams who played only 20 games because of COVID? Mm-hmm. Are they going to find a system that's going to somehow balance things out? Are you going to wait games for teams who didn't get to finish their season? But it doesn't seem like anybody in the higher-ups in the NHL have any sort of idea right now. And then yeah. how do you 
last season, at the end of last season, they were able to do it by points percentage, but that's only because every team was within two or three games of each other. Now, you know, we're a week in and teams were already two or three games separated. So it's going to be a real cluster at the end. We're four. I mean, we're four games away. And, and literally, I mean, we are a week into the season. Now, the one thing I will say is, is Gary Bettman is a problem solver. The guy finds solutions to things. So that's the one hope I would give. And I don't want to give too much time to this. It's just I'm a little down on it because, you know, I'm fired up for the weekend. Like hockey's finally back. My team, I'm watching my team. They didn't look that bad. Duclair looks sick. And then it's just like, ugh. I don't know. It, yeah, it's, big roadblock. The Lightning, I, I think the Lightning have already had six games rescheduled mm-hmm. within the month, just in January, and we just got started. And then what are you going to do for the teams who can't play right now because of COVID? Like Dallas is still sitting at zero games right. when you have other teams that are sitting at four games already, and they're going to continue to have zero games until they are clear. Like it's the gap's just going to keep getting wider and wider. Right. If I was to make a guess, I would think that they would – because they want – they want to start next season as normal as possible, which means they don't want to really interfere with this off season and this postseason. So they'll probably just kind of roll the dice and see what happens. And then at the end of the year, they'll probably just go based off some kind of points percentage competition and go like that. Maybe some kind of play in rounds where you have the majority of teams coming together, kind of like they did last season, but a little bit more drawn out just to give everybody more of an opportunity, but we'll see. Well, cut it at 40, have another playoff-type bubble thing. But from what I've heard and read, the players are not willing to go back into a bubble. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. Right, totally. Right. So, Fritzy, what do you got? Um, well, in the spirit of the playoffs, this is assuming that we go a full season, unlike what we just talked about. I think that there is a decent chance that the Bruins miss the playoffs because – of how good some of the top end teams in that division are. I forget what it's called, the East or Central or whatever. But some of the teams like the Pitts, the Philadelphia and the Washingtons could be like a one and two. And then you've got some young upstart teams coming behind them, like the Rangers. The Islanders have a lot of speed and skill in Pittsburgh. It's kind of always going to be around there. And, you know, I tweeted out the other day that the Bruins have one even strength goal in their last six games dating back to last season. They have one in six games. So – they're missing David Posternock, but that's no excuse for being so bad because he's going to be out until mid-March, I think, and they can't score at all. The defense we talked about last week is a little bit weaker than it was last season, goaltending consistent, but I think there's at least a good chance um, that they miss the playoffs. I mean, right now they're sitting at six, so if you were to extrapolate from right now, I could totally see it. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. I think they're going to get in. At some point, I think the veteran core will figure it out there. They always seem to do um, the there's and then I think it comes down to a Rangers Buffalo or Pittsburgh and which one of those teams is going to take that next jump. I don't think the Islanders are good enough to really do anything. I just think they play a certain style that's really hard to beat and always keeps them competitive. Yeah, I mean, the Islanders, are, I know we're talking about the Bruins, but the Islanders are like the least watchable team in the NHL for me. I'm sorry, Islanders fans. And they're always like, oh, well, it wins. Yeah, okay, good for you. But I, it's so boring to have one nothing games. Sorry. This is factual. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who's up? Alex, what do you got? I think McDavid is going to get the heart. I think with the way that the divisions are set up right now, Edmonton's going to get more, I don't know, time in the press because they're playing – only other Canadian teams. So he's going to be more on people's radar, especially that he's playing. Who's he playing with? Grace Idol? Yeah, they kind of go back and forth. But I think they're going to produce a lot of points and that 
that points are going to get them even more in the media's eye and then therefore heart trophy. Yeah, no, Alex, I think that's a really good point. I think this is kind of, what is he in year six? So I think this is kind of the year where I'm putting the team on my back and we're not going back down this slope again. Like from now on, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl and the rest of the core that has kind of been there for the last few years is really not excited, but they're ready to take that step. Hey, we're not going to turn away. This is our opportunity. It's the battle of Canada, which is every game these kids are going to get fired up for. They're going to have their entire country watching. I think, uh, I think this, is, this could certainly be a year where they take another step on the back of Connor McDavid having a heart caliber uh, year. I want to know, similar, I, I do agree that I think McDavid has the best chance to win the, the Hart Trophy, but um, I want to know if he's going to be maybe the last player, like the last big-name young star to sign an eight-year deal because he's, he's kind of getting some flack now because of how bad the team is, right? And, and everyone's saying, well, you shouldn't have signed the deal and, and cemented yourself there, which, you know, most players kind of, they only want that eight-year contract because they want that cost certainty. They, they know that playing in the NHL is, is so risky and at any moment your career could be ended and you want that, that, that revenue to come in for sure. But we're seeing guys like, you know, William, I'm thinking of the, the Leafs players, right? Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews signed for like five and six seasons, which gives them a little bit more flexibility. The young guys are signing for fewer years so that when they get out of their entry level deals, they have some UFA years left available. So I think McDavid is kind of going to be one of the best examples of, Hey, you don't need – if you're a star, you have rights, right? You know what I mean? You don't have to just cement yourself to one team for the majority of your career, for the majority of your prime, because you could be stuck like a Conor McDavid or a Jack Eichel who did the same thing. Oh, it's a, it's a very fair point to make. And, and truthfully, you really see it with Eichel right now. And contracts are obviously something that I'm kind of just a little bit more, um, I guess, drawn to because of what I'm doing, like, in my life. Um, it was really a head scratcher for McDavid when he signed the deal because it wasn't like, I mean, you can kind of justify why Eichel signed there. They hired a new coach. They had, you know, different guys coming in to help build. Edmonton didn't really do anything. All he really had was dry settle. They hadn't made any significant mm -hmm. moves. Now Kenny Holland gets there. I, I would trust Kenny Holland. I think the guy has a big enough resume that yeah, he kind of knows what he's doing. Then again, the game has changed a lot since he took over that Red Wing team from back in the day. So Time will tell. It's definitely a head scratcher. Um, and it's just going to, it's going to be one of those things that plays itself out. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, the no. real question is at what point does Connor say, I want out of here. And I think the same people are asking the question or will be asking the question about Jack. When's Jack going to be like, Hey, I want out of Buffalo. And this is that. I think this season would have been the year for McDavid. Like if, you know, if they bought him out again and they missed the playoffs and the team is terrible and, you know, McDavid has a hundred and, 30 points or whatever on pace for 130 points and nobody else is even close to that. I think this would have been the season, but people will be able to say, Oh, but it's, it's COVID. Remember we had the bubble and it's a weird season because that's how the NHL works. They kind of look for any loophole to get out of anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. I'll come with another one. I think, uh, I think the Philadelphia Flyers are going to dominate their division and I'll tell you why is I think that they're just kind of designed to beat up. They're, they're a team that kind of clicks on all cylinders. And, and again, la last year we talk a lot about this, like 
continuing waves. They just hit you in droves and waves continuously, continuously, continuously. I see the same thing with the Philadelphia Flyers this year, with the exception that they have a, a elite level prospect goaltender who now has a year under his belt is a little bit more comfortable in game time, game day situations. And they also got their first overall draft pick, Nolan Patrick, back in the lineup. I actually had them at the top of their division too. Um, I think with the lead, or the division that they're in, like the Capitals and the Penguins and Boston, I don't think they've done enough to their lineup since that they were at their prime to really compete with the Flyers. And then the younger teams who are rebuilding, like the Rangers and Buffalo, I don't think they've got enough of that rebuilding team under them yet to really compete with the Flyers. Yeah, and looking at their division, I mean, every team there, I can. it seems like I could find a weakness, like a pretty glaring weakness, whether it's a team like the Capitals and their defense isn't that great. You know, the Boston, I just talked about them. Pittsburgh's kind of getting older. Every team has like a big flaw or multiple big flaws, and you can't really find much with Philadelphia, except that, you know, maybe they're, no, not even – I was just going to say they don't have, like, a star, but you're starting to see Travis Konechny really break out. And he's still he's still on the way up, I think. But their defense is really solid. I love uh, Ivan Provorov back there. And Moose, you're right about Carter Hart and Nett. He's, he's really establishing himself as one of the better goalies in the NHL. I think he still has another step to take. I think just like we said last season about Colorado, whatever Philadelphia accomplishes this year will kind of just be a bonus because I think next year is really going to be their – coming out party and they're going to they're going to tear it up next season but the way that they started this year I don't see why they can't just be on track early well the the thing is is that they're they're three and one without Sean Couturier in the lineup which I think you really have to factor in because Sean Couturier he plays center you know I preach center depth center depth center depth the guy does it all he has amazing offensive skill he's so aware in the defensive zone and he's he's a two-way he's a highly skilled two-way forward that's like the best way to put it Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, you mentioned Travis Konechny, and he's a guy who's really like, he's like an, ex, a, I don't want to put Braden Point's name because I don't think they are at the same caliber yet, but Konechny is the type of guy, he plays super hard. He doesn't necessarily have the skill set that Braden Point does, but he does not stop, and he has a tremendous amount of skill. He's a great skater, and I think he's another player who takes a huge stride this year. Mm-hmm. He's one of the more fun players to watch, too, because it seems like he really loves the game and he really has so much fun playing and scoring and getting into scraps and stuff like that. It reminds me of like how Ovechkin gets so excited when he scores. Konechny is, is one of the most um, emotional players in a good way in the league. And he's really fun to watch. Absolutely. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. My next pick. I think that they're just like, there's a decent chance for Boston to miss the playoffs. I think there's a decent chance for Ottawa to make the playoffs. And I think it's better than decent because twofold because of how bad the, that North division, whatever the Canadian division has been this so far this season, especially defensively there. I mean, there's goals of plenty up there when you think about teams like Toronto and Winnipeg and Edmonton and Ottawa's young and they're fast and they're fun and they're playing with the same mentality that the first year Golden Knights had, where they're just kind of operating on free time. They have no um, expectations. There's no pressure on them. They're, they're a rebuilding team, quote unquote, with some aging veterans around them, but they're proving that they're just going to come out there and they're going to play. They'll play hard. They'll play fast. They work well together. They have a lot of fun on and off the ice. So 
I don't see – obviously, I don't see them going very far because they don't have the skill yet. But I think that in that weak Canadian division, I think there's a chance that they can make the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that I've noticed about this Ottawa Senators team that I, ha- I haven't noticed since I think Daniel Alfredson was playing with them. And it's the fact that these guys, this young core that came in, they're excited to be Ottawa Senators. They want to be part of that change. They want to grow the brand. They, they don't want the Sens to be a joke anymore. And guys like Brady Kachuk aren't going to let that happen. Guys like Eric Goodbranson are not going to let their organizations turn into the laughing stock of, of the league. They're going to punch you in your face. They're going to play a super hard style. I'll tell you what, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I do think that team is going to be exceptionally hard to play against night in, night out. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, you want to go? Uh, sure. I think – I don't know if this, this isn't really a hot take at, or if, at all, but I think Colorado is definitely going to win the Stanley Cup. I think they're on track for it. They had one loss, but it was to St. Louis, who's a decent team. And then since then, it seems like they figured their shit out. And they're just cruising. Uh, okay, so I I take that as they'd win the President's Trophy. And one of my picks, I'll, I'll just say my pick for the President's Trophy was the Lightning. So I want to hear what you guys have to say. Who do you – see, I think the Lightning would potentially win and have a better ch- a route to the Stanley Cup because of – the rest of the teams in our conference. I think that the the Avalanche are going to kind of be weighed down by the uh, the Golden Knights and even some of the the other teams in the Central. Like Minnesota is a team that comes to mind for sure, and St. Louis as well. So I would think I would actually pick the Lightning over the Avalanche. So are we talking Cup or are we talking President's Trophy? Yeah, because I said Cup. Well, let's do both because I th- I think they're kind of similar. So oddly, like my president's trophy pick is the Philadelphia Flyers. And, and the reason I think that is, is just because of the division. I think, look, it's, it's not like they have to travel out west to play Vegas. It's not like they, they like, it's just a weird year. Um, and I think that's, I think just they're going to collect the most points in that division. In terms of the Stanley Cup playoffs, you guys know who my pick is. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm. Uh, I think this is finally their year. I don't see a weakness with that team. Um, anywhere in the lineup and not to say that I see weaknesses with other guys in that lineup or sorry with, with the other teams that you guys have kind of put forth but I think Vegas is is not only the deepest team I think they're the most experienced team given that realm with the exception of the Tampa Bay Lightning the only difference I see between those two um, is the hunger that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to approach that not only this year with but this round of playoffs with I, I, I see where you're coming from with Vegas and I I I do think that they have more of a hunger to win the Stanley Cup. And I think that that would potentially put them over the edge over a Colorado who's kind of like, yeah, we're, we're still young. We're still kind of figuring this out. We're still getting our sea legs. So um, I do like the Vegas thing. That would be fun though, right? Because they've been screwed the last couple of seasons. It'd be nice for them to finally just take home that cup. I also just don't see how you stop that power play. And obviously penalties start to go away a little bit uh, come playoff time, but they're just so deep. It's another team that just consistently come in waves. The only thing with Colorado is they have Nathan McKinnon. And I'll tell you right now, nobody in the league has a guy that's in the same realm as Nathan McKinnon. And yes, that includes Connor McDavid. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I agree. All right. So this take is one that I've kind of, I I wasn't quite sure if, if it was something I wanted to stick with something I wanted to tie my name to, but you know what? Uh, We're kind of, a podcast that's trying to get a little bit of a rise out of people. I think that the St. Louis blues are going to be a team that insanely disappoints this year. Mm. 
Yeah, it's and it's. I'll tell you what. It's for a reason that I kind of have to eat my own crow on. I thought Bennington was the answer. I thought Bennington was the savior, uh, and I'm not quite sure if I see it anymore. But more particularly, I don't see them getting a ton of traction in that division. Um, I think Arizona is a young up and coming team. I think they're a team that's going to play really hard. Minnesota is a little bit of a team that I think has started to surprise some people at the beginning of this year. Um, I do think the St. Louis blues are going to make the playoffs. I'm going to be very clear about that. So I don't get completely roasted. (laughs) I just don't think there is any chance on this earth. They beat the Colorado avalanche or the Vegas golden Knights. And when you're talking about a team that did what they did this summer, to put them in that contender realm, I don't think you can be a contender if you're not one of the top two teams in your division, especially this year. Listen, I'm just so glad that I was able to wait you out long enough and, and get you finally on the train that Bennington's a little overrated in this league. I was never really like a big fan of the Blues in general. I think they kind of overachieved the Stanley Cup year, and I think they're underachieving now. And They're somewhere in the middle because I just I don't see a lot of, of – high-end speed and skill from them they have Tarasenko they have Jordan Cairo who's young and who I like but they seem like a team who was built to win you know five or six years ago and you're right the rest of the league is going to catch up to them the Colorado's the Vegas's Arizona I'm not still quite sold on but um yeah St. Louis I, I think they get a little bit too much credence because they were that fantastical story right they won the Stanley Cup they came from dead last and they stormed all the way back and everyone kind of puts them on a pedestal like they do with most cup teams which is a whole different discussion but yeah I wouldn't be surprised I'm looking at the the division right now if they had maybe in the the typical central division right with like a Nashville and a Dallas and a Minnesota maybe they would miss the playoffs but I think in this week west that they're in I think they'll be okay this year no I would agree and I would agree specifically with that it's funny because when I floated this by a few buddies that I talked to they thought I was absolutely insane they're like this team's so deep they, they have center depth. They haven't gone anywhere. They're absolute contenders. I, I go, guys, can you see them beating Vegas in a seven-game series? No. Can you see them beating Colorado in a seven-game series? No. How, how are they a contender? Tell me how, how are they a contender if you don't see them beating two teams, one of the teams that you're going to have to beat to get out there? It's not going to happen. They're not deep enough. They don't have the skill. It is what it is. They're a team of the past. They signed Tory Krug thinking that that was going to replace Alex Petrangelo are, mm-hmm. are you insane also drill that name pronunciation <laughs> um and and you know but who knows because you know what last what was it last week I said Wayne Simmons was too old to fight and then he absolutely goes out there and pops someone <laughs> so uh all I know is Bennington's gonna have about three shutouts uh over the course of his next <laughs> yeah yeah fans if you're listening make sure you bet on the blues all this week <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so that that basically wraps up the NHL portion of the podcast. I have this growing love and passion for my Florida Panthers. So for the for the six people who who are Florida Panther fans in South Florida, I'm going to put this little segment in there in there for them. Um, Some tidbits I I just wanted to to kind of run down with with Panther fans is I'll start with the first point. That's the Patrick Hornquist trade for Michael Matheson. Uh, Unfortunately, Mike Matheson got hurt, so I don't want to make this insinuate that we won the trade because of his injury Mike Matheson played in the first game he looked as he usually does absolutely horrible Bill Zito got rid of that disgusting contract signed on a guy Pat Hornquist who a lot of people in this league had kind of given up on um, because of his injury history and and quite frankly they just thought he didn't have it anymore but this year he kind of came into camp took a leadership role over 
got a little bit banged up, but he's been playing absolutely lights out. He's a perfect combination for what we need on the power play. Um, point two, Fritzy, maybe a guy you're a little bit familiar with. Mm-hmm. We may have found Jonathan Marchessault 2.0. Now, my only hope is we don't give him up in the expansion draft this time around, but Carter Verigi is absolutely unbelievable. Fritzy, why don't you tell me a little bit about him? Well, first of all, it's pronounced for Hagee. But, yeah, I like the Marshall comparison because, you know, they're both small and they're quick and fast. And that's kind of – that little scoring touch is kind of what the Panthers have needed. I like Declare for kind of the same reason. But for Hagee, he's very tenacious. He didn't really get a lot of time uh, at 5-on-5 five five with the Lightning just because of how deep they were up front. But, you know, he's a guy who has good speed down the wing. He's great playmaking abilities. Kind of an underappreciated shot. So um, he's not – I wouldn't say he's going to shoot the lights out, but I think he's a great compliment for Alex Barkov, guy that can feed him the puck and he can just get some tap-ins kind of like he did last night. But, um, yeah, I, I, honestly, as much as I hate the Panthers, I think he's a great addition for you guys. No, I mean, I, I think it's exactly that. And one of the funny things is he did – you know, he did kind of get those, those few little tap-ins. By the <laughs> way, that Duclair, that Duclair move, how that goal did not go in absolutely blew my mind. That was a sick move. Um, but look, that's what we need. That's what Alex Barkov will drive the, the game. He, mm-hmm. he is the guy who will create the offense. All you have to do is get open. He'll take care of the rest. Uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter about Jonathan Huberto. What happened to Huberto? What's Huberto do? I mean, are you guys kidding me? Like we're two games in into a COVID, <laughs> like after a COVID training camp and they're getting on Jonathan Huberto's case. It's like the Miami Hurricanes fan base on uh, wearing the Florida Panthers shield this year. Um, the, the last thing I kind of want to get in, I just have to, because it's, you know, finally something that people other than Florida Panther fans are talking about is this Keith Yandel nonsense. Um, I'm going to go on record here. If you have two eyes and you don't go to the Helen Keller school of, of the deaf and blind, you know, that Keith Yandel is not a good hockey player. It's as simple as that. There is, there is no argument to it. Look at his numbers, watch him play. He's an absolute liability every time he steps on the ice. Is he awesome? Awesome dude. Great in the locker room. Great content guy for chicklets. Yes, absolutely. Nobody's disputing that. Guy's a good family man. Loves his kids. Loves his wife. Great. Sucks at hockey. I'm sick and tired of hearing from nobody. Like all these Bruin fit. Yeah, trade for Keith Landel. Don Sweeney, <laughs> trade for Keith Landel. Good. Take him. You guys yeah. can have him for free. I will give you a third round draft pick to take the guy off our hands i want to see what your guys' take is on the panthers because i don't see them making the playoffs this year i think they're getting better for sure but i don't think they're the team to make the playoffs this year i think with tampa and nashville and carolina i just don't think they're gonna make the cut you got to be careful who you're talking to, Alex. This is I like the, know. the number one Florida Panthers I know, and that's why I want to. <laughs> I want to get his take. So let me, well, I'll, I'll tell you what he's yeah. going to say. He's going to say that uh, they will make the playoffs because of their top end talent, and because Bobrovsky actually looked decent the other night. And um, I, I, I will say I, I think that I agree with that statement because they they do look like they can score a little more. Bobrovsky did look good. Even Chris Drieger looked good the other night for what he is a backup, but. Um, just with how bad the division is, I think they're going to benefit as well. They, they may scratch and claw with like a Columbus or even Dallas if they ever start to play hockey games. Yeah, no, I look, well, well, two things. One is, is that accurate about what you were going to say. No. Um, yes. That the conclusion, yes. The, the plot, no. Um, 
I have anxiety and nightmares and flashbacks <laughs> and Pete, whatever. It may, I don't want to <laughs> Are we still talking about <laughs> hockey? <laughs> that Sergei Bobovsky contract that uh, Dale yeah. Allen locked up. <laughs> will will haunt us for the next six years it's never going to go away and then there's also going to be all these what ifs it could have been if we weren't tied to that contract hot take number two chris drieger is a, a better option in net right now for the florida panthers if you go look at his numbers from last year you guys will be pleasantly surprised he's a mm-hmm. solid goaltender the sad part is he's an unrestricted free agent after this year he's going to go start somewhere and make a team really happy the reason i think we're going to make the playoffs is I haven't seen Dallas yet, but I do think they're going to take a significant step back. Mm-hmm. I do think it's going to be a battle between Nashville, Dallas, uh, Carolina, and Florida. Obviously, Tampa's going to kind of ride. But I just don't see us losing the games that we lost last year. This is a team that has a lot to prove. Fritzy, you made a comment earlier that was uh, something along the lines of they play with that Vegas edge when you were talking about um, Ottawa, yeah, the Ottawa Senators. But if you look at this Florida Panther team, they're almost like a team of rejects. You look at a guy like Anthony Duclair, who put up over 20 goals, I think, two years in a row. He has no offers. He's, granted, he was you know, representing himself. You look at a guy like Alex Wenberg, who was bought out from his, his contract. You look at a guy like Verhage. Is that Verhage, there you go. He's a guy who's never been given an opportunity to show what he has before. He watched mm-hmm. one of his old teammates, Jonathan Marcheseau, come to Florida, take advantage of playing in a high-talented or with high-talented players going off and signing a major deal, I think this is a team that just has a lot to prove. They're, they're guys with chips on their shoulders. And I'll tell you the one thing in hockey is you never want to underestimate a team, and you always hate playing against the guys who have something to prove or are worried about getting a job because they don't stop playing. And I think in this division this year, they're absolutely a playoff team. I think you're – I don't I, – I, yeah. I think they are. I don't know about absolutely – I think they, I mean, they just have to solve that defense, man. They, they just, they have no one on the back end who can stop, consistently stop the opposing play driving guys. So, I mean, they tried, they thought that Strawman was the answer. He's old and slow. Ekblad, we still really, I don't, people like to say we don't know what he is because he was, what was like a third, a third overall pick or something like first. that. He First overall pick. So they're expecting him to be this superstar, right? Maybe this is just as good as he is. Maybe he's just um, a good first or second pairing defenseman. There's nothing wrong with that. Behind him, there's not much else. And, you know, we talked a lot last season about how passive they were. I think that Coach Quenville has kind of changed that mentality. But they just let up so many three-on-twos and two-on-ones. They just back up into their goalie. And, you know, maybe Bobrovsky's better this year. Maybe Drieger is a little bit better. But they really have to do something to lower these high-danger chances. Well, I think it's going to come down to goaltending for sure. I think the success of the Florida Panthers undoubtedly will rely on what Sergei Bobrovsky is. And if mm-hmm. not, it almost if, – if Bob's bad, it just creates future problems because, okay, Drieger comes in and takes it – like, it's just a mess. And then he's a UFA. It's, it's an absolute mess. Um, the defense is an issue. I think – look, Strawman or Yandel has to go. But both mm-hmm. of them cannot be in the top six. I don't know which one it is. Uh, I'd probably rather keep Keith in the lineup, to be honest with you. I have this personal vendetta against Strawman. I think he's horrible. Um, but I'm, in- I'm also interested to see uh, Goose or Marcus Nuda- Nudavara. Nudavara, uh, yeah. He's a, he's a Columbus sign. He's on the COVID list, so he can't play right now. But I think once he gets in the lineup, A, it's going to create a lot more competition uh, for spots and being able to play. And then, two, um, just what he looks like 
with this lineup. I forgot that you guys signed him, to be honest with you, because he, he didn't play the other night mm -hmm. because he's on the COVID list. He was really good with Columbus, yeah. and he was one of their better defensive defensemen. He, he's, he's still um, – I don't know. I think he's youngish. He's like maybe 25-ish or something like that. But he's he's got some decent stick handling and, and skating abilities. But his focal point is really playing solid defensively at his own blue line. And he comes from that John Tortorella system in Columbus where they just, you know, they just bore the hell out of you and they, they hit everything and they protect the house and stuff like that. So I think he's kind of exactly what you guys need. Hopefully he can be in the lineup soon. I would agree. I certainly hope so. All right, does anybody have everything else? We can um, we can wrap this up. We can get out of here. All good. I'm good. All right, I guess we will be back next week. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in, and we'll talk soon. Peace.